Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. About one in five adults reported experiencing food insecurity in the previous 30 days. That's according to a recent survey conducted by the Urban Institute. And data from the Census Bureau showed that in the last month, 25 million adults sometimes had not had enough to eat in the previous seven days. Wendy Osborne, director of Tabitha's Way, a Utah-based food pantry, told the New York Times that they're seeing more people who have jobs. They're working, she says. They're just not making enough. Today we're going to uh, talk about food insecurity, about the food pantry, and related topics with Alice Switzler, who is vice chair of the board of directors for Tabitha's Way and a, a founder of uh, Tabitha's Way uh, North in American Fork. Alice Switzler, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. How are you doing today? Uh, doing well, doing well. How about yourself? Well, it's a great day, you know. Well, well good, uh, good. We appreciate you uh, being on with us. Uh, I want to uh, jump in, but after... Um, uh, I, I want to play this video from Tabitha's Way. I'm sure, Al Switzer, you're uh, familiar with this since you're in it. Um, but uh, this is about four minutes, very impactful. Uh, tells a little bit about the story of uh, Tabitha's Way. So you'll hear first to Wendy Osborne, who's uh, founded the food pantry. Al Switzer appears a little bit later in this. Um, let's hear this now. I had a gentleman that came in, and you could tell by the look on his face that he had not had food for some time. He biked 18 miles to get to us and he hadn't eaten in four days. I get hungry if I haven't eaten in four hours. I cannot imagine what it feels like to go without food for four days. It was a life-changing experience for me. I had a, a neighbor that I went to check on and I had this feeling to ask him have you eaten today? And he said he hadn't eaten today. And we said, well, where are you getting food from? And he said, there's a community pond, and I go there and I fish every day, and I catch my meal. One morning I was opening up the pantry, and this young couple came by, and um, they said to me, can, can we get food here? And I said, well, of course, come on back. And so I started filling their bags and talking to them. And I, while I was talking to them, I wasn't looking at them. I was kind of to the side. As I turned to hand them their bag of food, they were sobbing. You know, I don't know the whole story. I don't know what was going on. But to be that grateful for food at that moment, and I, I gasped. I stopped. I paused for a moment and realized that this bag of food is changing somebody's life right now. It's making a difference. Most people don't know what food insecurity is or even what food insecurity means. Food insecurity is not having enough nutritious food in your home or not even knowing where your next meal is going to come from. Hunger is when you don't have enough food, it hurts. Food insecurity is the anxiety that comes from not knowing where your next meal is coming from. A lot of people think that we're feeding the panhandlers or the homeless people. We are feeding the working class in our community. Uh, we've had school teachers, nurses, working professionals um, struggling. These are people who, with just one disaster, and what is a disaster? Back surgery, auto collision, transmission going out, losing one of their three jobs. These are people who run out of food or funds before they run out of month. There's 530,000 people in Utah County 
78,000 of those people are at or below the poverty line. A food pantry is a community location where families who are in need can come and get the food that they need for their families. So we take resources that are in the community and put it into a local food pantry and then provide food for families here in the community. Food pantries in general are built so neighbors can help neighbors. We are on a mission to create no hunger zones. The first step to a no hunger zone is awareness. Uh, people need to understand who is hungry and what's going on. To most of us, these people are just invisible. The second step to that is food distribution. We have ample food in our community, however, we need to get that food to those people who are in need. And then the third step is community commitment. That means we need your help. We need your support. We need you to volunteer. We need funds. We need food drives. We need schools. We need businesses. And we need community leaders to step in and help. I believe 100% that a no hunger zone is achievable in each of our communities. We have the resources in our communities to do this. There's no reason we couldn't solve this problem in our communities. Is there anything more noble than feeding the children, the veterans, the seniors, the families that are food insecure? We invite you to join us in that effort. You can find that video at uh, tabithasway.org, tabithasway.org. And a reminder that we're talking now with Al Switzler, Vice Chair of the Board of Directors for Tabitha Sway and a founder of Tabitha Sway uh, North. Uh, so Al Switzler, uh, I want to jump into a lot of issues to talk about there, but I'm curious about how you got involved. Uh, people may well be familiar with your your name, right, from uh, Vital Smarts and uh, several best-selling books. Uh, how did you get involved in, in, uh, in the food pantry? Well, that's, that's interesting. Uh, as we were looking forward to retirement, Mike Carter and I uh, had lunch one day. And prior to that uh, lunch, Mike kind of said he could see in his mind as he was driving into Pleasant Grove, a little sign, you know, that says, welcome to Pleasant Grove, entering a no hunger zone. That entering to no hunger zone was not there, but he kind of saw it. And that morning, I was talking to my wife about some of the humanitarian uh, efforts we do around the world. And at the end of it, she said, oh, that's really great, and what are we doing in our own community? Um, at lunch that day, Mike and I said, let's see how we can help the community. And as we uh, visited a lot of different uh, 501c3s, as we visited other organizations, we talked to the Utah Food Bank, and they told us to our surprise that Pleasant Grove and American Fork at that time were the biggest food deserts. Uh, in the state, that uh, many people were f suffering from food insecurity. So we um, decided uh, we can do that. And so seven years ago, we founded Tabitha's Way in American Fork, and we served the 10 cities in North. We got connected to Wendy Osborne in the South, and uh, we um, connected, and we said, well, we could we could have two pantries under one 501c3, and she provided a lot of um, expertise in in uh, this area, and Mike and I could provide some business acumen, and so it's, it's been a wonderful partnership. Well, by the way, people be wondering, uh, who's the Tabitha in Tabitha's way? <laughs> Tabitha is uh, from Acts in the Bible. Um, 
she was noted for her charity and and helping widows and other things and then she died and um in that story um they lay her in an upper room and the people say hey the apostle peter you know or, or paul peter peter and he's a couple cities away anyway when he comes there the widows and other people say see what they made for she made for me and oh they helped her so much and we miss her so much and the rest of the story is is that uh uh he went upstairs and said a prayer and said tabitha arrives anyway it's a lovely story from the bible but she's kind of the essence of uh charity and and uh loving your neighbor and helping people who are you know have less than you do uh, so in that video you talked about hunger and food insecurity defining those two i wonder if you'd do that uh, for us for us now uh, hunger and food insecurity Sure. I, I might say that one of the reasons we got into this is that Mike had some, and his family had some food insecurity when he was growing up. Uh, I certainly did. Um, I'm, I had a teenage single mother, and she couldn't afford me for a few years. And so between three and eight in a little town in Colorado, I lived, as she told me, in 22 homes. And I can remember um, eating mayonnaise sandwiches and wondering what else I was going to be able to get as I moved from these houses to houses. So again, you know, they talk about hunger pains and I, I define hunger as a pain, you know, when you're, when you're not getting enough nutrition or calories, your body will do things. But food insecurity is the anxiety, the worry, the stress that comes that says, you know, we, we got enough food for, three days, then what are we going to do? You know, um, when moms or dads say, um, you know, I got $120 left. Am I going to pay my electric bill or buy gas so I can get to work or am I going to buy food? And uh, so that food anxiety, the food insecurity is, is really stress and anxiety and it really impacts people. Mm. And you say you've experienced this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, when you were young. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. In in addition, uh, I got a I got a father when I was eight. He died when I was or nine actually, and when I was uh, thirteen, he died. Mm. Then we got to experience poverty. So I've I've had that side of it too um, when I was a teenager. Mm. Uh, I'd like to uh, uh, divert just a little bit. I'm interested in your in your background and how you got to where you got to. What uh, I. Might have been a driving factor, right? The, that insecurity and that uh, that that kind of impermanence, home to home to home. Um, I don't know if that was a driving factor in the success you later had. Well, it, it, I think it's interesting because I, I think there's a point to be made on food pantries uh, too. Um, when I when I was thirteen, fourteen, um, I had some really good friends, and I was a, a pretty good student, and I had uh, coaches and. And teachers who took an interest in me and kind of that social uh, network, if you will, that kind of support that I got was really key. That You know, when I was there were years when I was in high school that I I really didn't think I'd be able to go to college, Um, but I got help. The, The point that I'd like to make on that was a lot of the people that come to food pantries, don't have a social network, or if they have a social network, it's people in the same situation that they do. They have fewer family members, fewer friends, fewer resources, and uh, 
you know that, that that's uh, they don't they don't have a place to turn for help, and I think that's what food pantries really fill that niche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so you know, hopefully people do have that network, but if they don't, um, I guess a broader neighborhood network, right? To the food pantry is part of that. Yeah, and again, um, there's a fair number of different kinds of pantry. You know, I, if if it's all right, let me uh, give the listeners a little background on how food pantries work. Yes. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of organizations that try to deal with food insecurity and hunger, and some people will know them as food stamps. They're SNAP now. They also have free lunches and, and uh, breakfast for some they have uh, meals on wheels, and you know there's a lot of different programs that try to do this. Food pantries are part of a program that's temporary food assistance, and the U.S. government works with Feeding America. Feeding America is the second largest 501c3 in America. They've established 200 food banks in America. Food banks are large distribution um, centers, and those. 200 food banks have 60,000 food pantries throughout the United States. Uh, in many states, most states, they have two or three or more food banks. Utah is one of a handful of uh, states that only has one food bank. We have the Utah Food Bank. They have a network of about 200 food pantries throughout the state, and we're part of that. Um we, we happen to be, it's important for us that we call ourselves Tabitha's Way Local Food Pantry. Um, again, we serve local communities. We, we never turn anybody down who comes for food. Uh, we, we can tell them that there's closer pantries to them and et cetera. But, um, um, you know, we, we get almost 100% of our funding from local communities individuals we get 100 percent of our volunteers you know and last year we had over 17,000 hours of volunteers uh, and we get about 90 percent of our food from local donations so um, it, it, when you talk about community and community resources we, we really are neighbors helping neighbors mm. Tell me about, um, in the video, you use the word disaster. You're one disaster away from needing uh, services like this. Uh, uh, so I want to cite this uh, national study show that 63% of uh, people in the U.S. have zero savings. Additional 13% have less than $1,000 in savings. Uh, so, you know, something happens, and uh, and then a family goes, you know, spiraling into into need. Yeah, and... It, it, I think we could maybe connect that to our mission at Tabitha's Way. Um, our mission is to help it, individuals and families through tough times. And so there's your disaster, right? Um, it, it's really interesting when I've looked at the kinds of situations that cause people to come. There's a myth, you know, that you heard in the video, too, that these are lazy. You know, they're habitually unemployed. Uh, you know, they're hangers on. Now, most we, we deal with mainly working class families, and uh, some of those disasters include um, back surgery, a surgery of any kind, uh, car repair, um, divorce, violence, addiction. You know, and it's it's not that the family's addicted. You know, the breadwinner's addicked, and then they're he or she leaves, and then 
you know, this disaster. And so they not only have no financial backup or resources, like I was saying, they have very few social resources, someone they can go to and say, can you help? And so they, they really qualify for us. And so our, our mission is to help individuals and families through tough times by, one, providing temporary food assistance. I think it's really interesting that uh, on average over the last seven years, our clients come six times. It's recently jumped up to eight times, but that's like three or four months. And then they're through with, with their, their stress. They're back on their feet. They don't need us anymore. So that's one, we provide temporary food assistance. Two, we recommend resources for, for self-reliance. Many of these people, you know, need to learn how to set goals or get a little help here or there and United Way. And there are a lot of other organizations that provide specific kinds of help. And then the third one is we help neighbors help neighbors, neighbors who can helping neighbors in need. So that's a little bit on the disasters that people face and why they need us. Are there folks who, um, who need more than temporary you know, there there are, um, let me tell you two stories, one on each side of that. Um, some, a couple of years ago, we had, uh, bef- before we did drive-through, because COVID forced us to do drive-through, but we, people would come in and it looked just like a small market and they would shop. This lady came to me and she was checking in one day to do her shopping and she must have weighed 85 pounds and she had a scarf around her head and and uh, like many people going through chemo do, and I didn't know that. And I said, how are you doing today? And she said, I am so great. And she got just a little teary, and I said, well, why are you so great? And she said, I'm cancer-free. I just got a job that starts in 10 days, and I'm so happy. And she, she said, I couldn't have done it without Tabitha's way. That's common where people get through their difficulty and then they're on their way. On the other hand, let me tell you about V. V was a 58-year-old lady who lived in an RV park. Um, she was uh, disabled because her 55-year-old boyfriend beat her so badly she became disabled. He's in prison. And, uh, you know, she makes like $442 a month. And uh, we may serve people like V. For a long time, we, we served lots of veterans uh, and seniors and, and people who are um, disabled. And, and I, I, I think it's just fine that we do that. It's a small percentage, um, but uh, we, we, we will do that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a break. Uh, we'll have uh, much more with um, Al Switzler. Um, he is um, co-chair or... Um, with uh, Tabitha's Way, um, and he is vice chair of the board of directors of Tabitha's Way, a founder of uh, Tabitha's Way local food pantry in American Fork. And uh, we'll have much more following this. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about food insecurity, hunger, food pantries, uh, the way the neighborhoods can help uh, neighbors can help neighbors. Uh, we're talking with Al Switzler, vice chair of the board of directors for Tabitha's Way Local Food Pantry and a founder of Tabitha's Way North. That's the uh, one located in American Fork. 
Um, uh, so Tabitha Sway was uh, featured in a New York Times article recently, uh, got some attention there, well-deserved. <clears throat> and uh, I want to quote uh, from that story. Um, this is a, uh, a woman in uh, Utah County, uh, went to Tabitha's Way, and uh, she said when she pulled in the, the driveway, I saw a bunch of other people in cars like mine who had kids in the cars. Uh, it goes to perception, right? Um, Al Swister? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, sir, so I guess what I'm asking is uh, there there is a perception, we talked about it earlier, that... Uh, you know that that's it's the homeless or whatever that's using food pantries, and really more and more it's 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 working working folks. It is. Um, it's really interesting too because um, sometimes when volunteers come, particularly when they come early, they say, you know, right there's an expedition that's better than my car, and I, I I remind them that we don't know who's actually driving that car. We have a lot of people who come pick up for someone who can't drive a car, you know, or can't get out of their households. But they, these are these are people, really, most of them uh, work at least one job. Some of them don't work because of the disasters I mentioned earlier. They can't. But uh, it might also interest the, the kinds of people that we have coming. Um, I, 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 this is not true in all communities, but in, but in Utah... Um, there tends to be an LDS chapel, uh, you know, or organization in every community. And the LDS uh, has wonderful welfare program, and they have bishop storehouses, and they help a lot of the people who are LDS and um, have a challenge. We've looked at our, the people we serve, and I think, again, this is true in many of the pantries. We serve a lot of people who... Um, aren't LDS, the vast majority of our people, uh, clients who come are not LDS. Um, we don't, we don't ask that. Um, but, uh, you know, um, but that they, they've volunteered. We've done some surveying, but, uh, we also have people who don't want to be served by the LDS. And so there's real niche there in every community of, of people need temporary food assistance. Mm. Um, th- there is a lady uh, quoted in this New York Times article. She said the first time she uh, had a need and went to the pantry, she you know, put her collar up, dark glasses on. She, <laughs> she was worried about a stigma. And, uh, and then, you know, as she saw people around her, I guess she took the glasses off and, and such and felt a little better about it. I guess there, you know, there, for some folks, there is a stigma. Yeah, and, and that's very common. It's really interesting. Uh, that was highlighted, again, a couple years ago. Uh, a couple came in. They must have been 50, and we started asking them a few questions. You know, you have to be at 100, 185% of the poverty level and below. We don't ask them. We just ask them if that's the case and get to know them a little bit. And the, the lady started crying and went out and she came back in and she started crying and she went back and sat in her car for a little while. And she, because she's, you know, we've never had to do this. We never thought we'd have to do this. Uh, so embarrassing. Um, but I, I will say that we have wonderful volunteers and wonderful staff members that treat everybody with respect. And, uh, it's, it's interesting that, that people see that i if if i were in this situation today i would i would feel similarly and 
I would hope that the place I came to uh, showed that they were caring and respectful organization. Mm. Uh, nationally, the numbers you're showing, or you know, the national organizations to run food banks and such, are are saying that um, inflation is really taking a toll. Are you are you seeing that? Are people talking about that as they come in? Yeah, um, I, I I will say, and and again, I'd I'd like to think that I could speak for many many food pantries out in your listening area. Uh, Feeding America. Uh, announced just recently that uh, this last year they raised $107 a year previously, $151 million. You know, they go to big companies, you know, and, and get large donations. But in terms of the food that they got, they went from 2.6 billion pounds of food to 1.14 billion pounds of food. I think that just trickles down into not just Feeding America, but the food bank's and uh, the pantries. Um, I, I, let me let me give you a specific. This last week, which ended yesterday or Saturday, which ended Saturday, we served 272 families. That corresponds to about 1,100 individuals. A year ago, we would have done uh, 200 uh, families in a week. 44 of those were new. That's one of the largest numbers, and so. Since uh, March, April, May, June, those numbers have been going up and up and up and up. So we have more demand. They're staying a little bit longer. Our grocery rescue, we go to 12 grocery stores, and we talk to the receivers and and, um, distributors to give groceries to those grocery stores. People are shopping less, buying less, and so the stores are ordering less, and so they don't have the surplus that's near expiration dates that they would normally give to us. Another evidence of uh, the difficulties that pantries all over are uh, experiencing, in a typical food drive from a large organization, we would get eight or ten pallets of food, a pallet maybe 600 pounds of food, and in the last uh, few months that's been down to three or four, two or three sometimes pallets. So we're getting less food we're getting less financial donations and less food from stores, and our demand's going up. And the demand's going up because of inflation. Food costs are up. Gas, even though it's coming down, it's still been at an all-time high. And it sure put a lot of people into that uh, stress point where they have to say, am I going to buy gas to go to work and pay my electric bill, or am I going to buy food? So... Yeah, inflation is just affecting everyone. Mm. Of course, that affects your your business, right? Your uh, you know it's nonprofit, but it's uh, you you have costs as well, right? At the food pantry. Yeah, we have costs. Uh, you know, our our gas bills, uh, a fuel bill for our truck uh, has gone up. Um, with to keep our staff um, and be fair with them. You know, when inflation's ten percent in Utah. You know, we, we want to be fair to them, too. And uh, so we, we don't buy much food. Most of it's donated. We, we do buy some uh, milk and eggs so we can keep the nutrition value up uh, in our um, pantry. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's going up. Mm. You know, I, 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 might, I might say, um, just because I use the word volunteer, 
Um, Mike and I are co-founders, Mike Carter, and uh, we've had two or three people saying, well, how much do you get paid? And we're happy to tell them we get paid zero because we're volunteers. And uh, we, we volunteers are the heart of any food pantry, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me pause right here and uh, ask how people can, can help. I guess there are a lot of ways. Uh, you get private need cash, right? Uh, food donations, volunteering. What? Uh, how can people connect? Yeah, there's there, there's really three ways that, that you can do it. You mentioned them at all. All uh, number one, uh, there's cash donations, and you know there's lots of ways you can go to any any food pantry, and they have a website. They take checks. Some do Venmo or you know cash, and you get you get uh, donation slips for that. Um, volunteers, um, you know that there's one-time volunteers, and these volunteers come in and they'll sort food, or they'll clean, or they'll arrange this. Um, and 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 those are lovely, but the, the gold standard of volunteering is someone who says, "I'll come once a week for two or three hours," you know. And we know they're going to miss sometimes, but we we have dozens and dozens of golden volunteers like that, and we always need volunteers. And the last thing is food. I will say that there's you know you can do individual donations. You could rally your family. You could rally an organization. Um, but one of the nice things to do if you want to do a donation is look on the website or call your local pantry and say, what do you have the most need for? So, for example, and specifically in Tabitha's way, you know, we, we don't need green beans. It's, it's kind of a joke. <laughs> you know, we have green beans for several years. Thank you very much. But we need soft-sided stuff. You know, we need uh, one or two-pound bags of rice or beans we need hamburger helper we need peanut butter um you know that that those soft-sided things that uh, can help people get a milk quickly mm. is what we need a lot of yeah it's good to know that's a great idea i don't know if i would have thought of that though maybe we just uh, taken down whatever but uh, yeah call the pantry and see what they especially need yeah yeah and sometimes sometimes they need hygiene and diapers you know um so there's a lot of needs, but they they change from time to time. You know, it's it's not like we're a store and, you know, we have a big catalog of, we can order this many of this, this many of this, you know, we, it's really nice uh, when neighbors call and we can connect and, and get some of the things that uh, our clients need. Uh, So TabithaSway.org, if you want to help them out, I'll put a plug in for uh, Cash Community Food Pantry, where we're broadcasting from. CashFood.org is where you go for them, CashFood.org. Email me to upraccess at gmail.com. Tell me about your local food pantry. We'll put in a plug for them, upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. We're talking with Al Switzler. He is... Um, Vice Chair of the Board of Directors for Tabitha's Way uh, Local Food Pantry, uh, a founder of Tabitha's Way North that's located in uh, American Fork. Uh, We're talking about food insecurity, hunger, how to combat it. Uh, Talking about food pantries specifically on the program today. Let's take another break, and uh, when we come back, I'd uh, love to talk about, kind of pull out to the larger goal, this vision, uh, right, Al Switzer, that your friend had of... uh, uh, hunger, no hunger zones. And uh, how do we get there? Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. Mm-hmm. 
You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking with Al Switzler. He is uh, uh, vice chair of the board of directors for Tabitha's Way Local Food Pantry. Um, and he's a co-founder of their American Fork um, location for Tabitha's Way. Uh, I want to start this segment, Al Switzer, talking about children on your on the website tabithasway.org. You say the largest population that our pantry serves is children, on average about 50%, and the impact of hunger on children is severe. Um, maybe talk about that uh, a little bit. Uh, that's especially heart-rending, right, and uh, a big need to serve children. Well, it is, and uh, you know, if you if you had children, seniors, vets, and uh, uh, people who have dis- disability, that's sixty-five, seventy percent of the people we serve at Tabitha's Way. Um, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right down at the bottom, are the physiological needs, and if 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 these are not met for children, if if children are hungry. Uh, there are severe consequences and food insecure. Uh, they don't go to school as often. They don't pay attention as often. They don't learn to read by third grade. And if that doesn't happen, they're not as successful in uh, the high school years. They're more likely to, you know, drop out, do drugs, you know, criminal activity, etc. So, you know, serving these children, bless their heart, no, no children ought to be food insecure. So when, when we had this vision of uh, a no-hunger zone, uh, there's a couple things of that. A no-hunger zone is a geographical area where in that area, because of the infrastructure and support, no one need go hungry. Now, you know, hunger and food insecurity doesn't take time out or... Um, they don't uh, take vacations or holidays. You know, it, it's always going to be there. So we're still going to have back surgery, and we're going to have all of these difficulties. But no one need go hungry if you have um, a well-organized uh, area. A food pantry is essential to that. Um, I've asked several friends over years. I said, if if you had a couple, a family of four that lived two blocks from you, and you said, oh, he's he's from Bolivia. He's, got a good job now, but now he's going to go down with back surgery. It would take a month to recuperate and go back to work. And you you say, well, I could, I could provide food for that family for a month. And I say, what would that cost you? And it's really interesting the range. Some say, well, you know, there's 360 meals for a month, family of four. And it costs me a buck a meal, you know, and some say, oh, I can do it for $500, et cetera. And then I tell them because food pantries, have the support of neighbors helping neighbors, we can provide food for a family of four for $72. And and I think that that helps you understand um, what a no-hunger zone would be. We would have a reputation. We would have volunteers. We would have outreach so that no one need go hungry uh, in in such an area. That, that's part of the vision that we're really working toward. Where are we? Where are you in, in your area toward that? You think what what's needed? I, you know, I I think we're we're doing pretty well, um, and we were doing pretty we were doing a lot better and, until inflation and these things hit. But uh, uh, I could have I could have told you uh, a number of years ago, uh, well two years ago, and and I, I'll make some assertions today uh, when it comes to volunteers. 
we're probably 85% of the way of getting there. When it comes to food acquisition and distribution, we were probably at 80%, and now we're at 60%. And when it comes to financial donations, we're probably at 80%. So in the next couple of years, with the efforts of, uh, you know, good friends and, and, and uh, donors and whatnot, I, I think we'll probably have a press conference and say, we'd like to declare this area a no-hunter zone. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great goal. Uh, how did uh, COVID affect uh, Tabitha's Way? Well, a couple things with COVID. Well, we actually got a phone call from the Utah Food Bank that's saying people over 65 can't volunteer. They have to wear masks all the time. Um, and no longer can people come into a closed space, you know, like a, the store and shop. It's called client choice. You, you have to prepare bags of food. And they drive through, no human contact. You know, they open their back, and then we put the food in. And and we do have a walkie-talkie so that with social distance, we say, you know, do you have a family? Do you need diapers? Do you need this? And so we, we can do some customization. But that, that was a real uh, challenge for us. I am happy to say that during all of this time, we, with some um, good volunteers and staff, we didn't close one day. We were able to serve clients every day through COVID. Um, but uh, we we are we are doing plans right now to uh, transition back into the market so people can shop for really what they want. That's mm. that's the highest level of dignity serving clients. Uh, are there any things you learned uh, during COVID that maybe you know that you've carried forward? Um, let's see. Well, I, I think, um, just being careful, um, um, we, we've passed all the safety inspections. We get surprised safety inspections on how we're doing with safety, physical safety, food safety, et cetera. But I, I think that COVID has really reinforced that as a, a cultural value, um, to say, you know, we need to be careful in lots of ways. Uh, I, I think another thing we learned, though, is that going through drive through we, we can't have nearly as uh, positive uh, relationship with our clients uh, where we can uh, connect with them. We can recommend resources uh, that help them move along in their progress. And, and I think that's a lesson learned, too. We're really looking forward uh, to having a better relationship and, and uh interactions with our clients. Mm. I'm reading your yearly report here. You can find it on the website, uh, tabithasway.org. Um, Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners uh, cooked. I guess that's a service you provide. Well, we don't, we don't cook them. Uh-huh. We, we give them all the food we give out. Um, oh, to be cooked, it, it says, yes. Yeah, to be, to be cooked. And so uh, it, it's, it's one of those nice things. We, we gave out couple thousand backpacks this year and every year and that's that's a nice thing we can do for our client base where they don't have to go spend that money for getting kids back to school when they could spend it on food and it's it's the same thing at nice um thanksgiving and, and christmas saying you know go have we we had a grandmother 
who, when she came and got her Christmas dinner to go cook, uh, got teary and said, thank you, thank you. This is the first time in five years that I can invite people to my house and serve them Christmas dinner. It's something that grandmother should do. Mm. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's just uh, been one of those nice things that fits in food distribution and connects to some big traditions. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, any other, any other uh, person come to mind, especially, um, you know, that, that really sticks with you over over the last few years? Oh, in terms of clients? Y- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, there's, a, there's a handful of them, but um, one of our clients, a single mom, uh, struggling, 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 and then she got back on her feet. And then she came to us and said, I'd like to pay it back. She's now been volunteering for a year and a half. And we have a number of clients that once they go through their tough times and back on their feet, they come back to the pantry and serve other people and as a way of saying thank you. I, I think that's just tremendous. Mm. I'd like to uh, change topics slightly here. You know, the last few minutes we have. Uh, I'm springing this on you, but uh, hopefully this is okay. You're involved in another interesting or- organization, uh, the Other Side Academy. Uh, I am. Anything, I am. I'd love to have you tell me a bit about that. Seems pretty interesting. Well, sure. My my dear former partner, colleague, co-author Joseph Grenny, with the help of a number of people, and and Mike Carter and I played a minor role. They said, um, you know, uh, and, and the influencer book that we wrote, we uh, studied several of them and wrote about Mimi in San Francisco, who was really helping take criminals, drug addicts, prisoners, um, and turning them into um, honest citizens and productive citizens. And so um, Joseph and Tim and others uh, formed the Other Side Academy. It's in downtown Salt Lake. Uh, literally, they take people who are about to give up or in prison facing years. The average person right now at the Other Side Academy has been arrested 27 times. And um, they, they just become, through this process, they become wonderful. They, they come sit on a bench. They have a rigorous interview. If they pass, they're accepted. They bring nothing to the academy, and they learn to work, and they learn to cooperate, and they learn to live by a good set of principles. And and uh, and by the way, they've opened one in Denver, and uh, they they have social enterprises where the students there they now have uh, the other side movers, the other side uh, thrift boutiques, the other side builders, uh, no doubt, oh, the other side storage. And it, it's just wonderful if, if you've known someone who's struggled and struggled with addiction and, you know, crime and et cetera, uh, this is a, a real help. The, I will say, too, the big news is they're now building the other side village. It's going to have like 450 tiny homes and use the same principles and processes and social help to help uh uh, people who are homeless have a permanent place to live that has dignity and and uh, and increase their um, skill set uh, to be successful in life. 
It's interesting. Uh, it's it's behavior change that, that's that's looked for, right? And so, those who go go into the other side of Canada have to make a. I think it's a thirty month commitment. Oh yeah, and and uh, it's 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 a, a hard. I was just there uh, about ten days ago, and uh, had lunch with them, and then they have a little meeting, and uh, here we had forty five or fifty students, kind of one at a time, stand up and say, "I'm I'm thankful for this," and um, the other side academy is unique where you can't see this any other place. And they're talking about the change in their life. They're talking about uh, how they have self-dignity. They're talking about how they're feeling love for the first time. They're feeling about uh, how it's so great to serve other people. And, uh, you know, it's just really, I I will say that we've had a handful of uh, other side side academy graduates uh, work in uh, our in Tabitha's Way Food Pantry in the north, and they've just been wonderful to see how they've changed and uh, the good people they are. Just have about three minutes left. I wonder, um, you've really jumped into your community, right? To volunteered, uh, gotten involved. You know, some people do. Other people maybe don't know quite how to do that or maybe want to do it, but... Need an extra push? I wonder what your encouragement to those folks would be. Just getting involved. You know, th- this is a quick answer, but um, the Voltaire wrote a play called Candide, and I won't go through all of it. But at the end of all disasters and problems and difficulty, where the old uh, Candide is sitting around and saying, "Ask someone, asking, well, so what? What gave you satisfaction and happiness?" And he says, "The whole secret is to tend your garden." And if I can use that metaphor, you know, we have in North Utah County, we're tending a garden, trying to help fight food insecurity for 10 cities. Joseph in the Other Side Academy has a bigger garden, and there are other gardens that are very large. Uh, I've told people that I do believe that tending your garden, serving some population, helping lift some population is really important. But you get to choose the size of your garden. For some people, it's uh, their family, it's extended family, a few neighbors, and you know, or maybe they want to join Rotary or Kiwanis or whatnot. But um, you know, again, it's neighbors who can helping neighbors in need, and there's lots of need. But there's lots of ways to help in big gardens and little gardens. And uh, uh, I, I do believe that that's where joy and satisfaction comes from. Well, thank you for the good work you are doing. Um, tell us again how folks can help their local uh, food pantry. You know, local food pantries everywhere, there's three major needs. Uh, you can donate money. You can donate time, which means volunteer, and if you just go there, call, there's always a need for volunteers. And the third way is to donate food or hygiene um, product. Um, and, you know, often just, you know, there's school drives or state drives or church drives or business drives or family drives, and or you can do your own. But whatever you do, if you can call your local pantry and say, what do you most need? They would be very uh, thankful. 
Well, wonderful. Um, so tabithasway.org is the way you reach uh, Tabithasway, tabithasway.org. I'll put a plug for uh, the Cash Community Food Pantry, which is cashfood.org, cashfood.org. A, wonder, a wonderful pantry up there. I've been there. Yeah. And there, there are many pantries around. Just, uh, just Google it and you'll find your local uh, food pantry. Uh, there is an increased need. Uh, more people are accessing the pantry with inflation the way it is. And uh, in the meantime, increased costs for your local pantry. So there, there is need for you to help. Um, so we've been talking with Al Switzler, Vice Chair of the Board of Directors for Tabitha's Way Local Food Pantry. He is the founder of Tabitha's Way North, which is in American Fork. Al Switzler, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Tom, thanks for all the good you do and the service like this you provide. Appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening to Access Utah.